Welcome to another episode of Bereans Podcast. Each week we share a message from the Bible and examine it to understand and learn to apply it to our lives. The hope is that through the wisdom of the scriptures, we will all be encouraged to make real life change and that the power of the gospel will transform our lives. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode of the Berean Podcast that starts right now. Well, good morning, church family. My name is Devin, the lead pastor here, and I wanted to do something different today. So uh, today is Super Bowl Sunday, and I know that that's a big deal. So I wanted to kind of, you know, put scripture on pause and just do like a light kind of talk about Super Bowl and life and maybe leave you with a little nug. I'm just teasing. (laughs) If you've been around Brian for any amount of time, you know that it doesn't matter if it's Super Bowl Sunday or your grandma's birthday. We're going to open God's word and we're going to do what we do. You can do the Super Bowl later, but this time uh, is for God's people, for us, for those who are here, for those who are joining online, to spend some time thinking deeply as we open ourselves to the truth of God's word. So with that, then let me ask you a question. What makes you angry? For some of you, the answer would be pretty much everything because you have a problem. We need some help with that. But what makes you angry? Hmm? I'll go first. Here's a few things that make me angry. Generally, they revolve around somebody displaying and revealing that they really don't care about anyone but themselves. Let me give you an example. Littering. That really bothers me and that ticks me off. It's like you can't wait five minutes until you get to your destination and bring your garbage in like a civilized human. You have to roll down your window and throw it out like it's just somebody else's problem now? That makes me angry. Here's another one, aggressive driving. It's not my fault that you don't have self-control and discipline. You don't have your life together to leave at the appropriate time. Now you're late and you're trying to make up time on the road. That gets me angry. Here's another one. People who don't return their shopping carts. If you're a Christian and you don't return your shopping carts, what would Jesus do? That's what I want to know. And I tell you this, he would put it where it's supposed to go rather than leaving it out where I can back into it. So what makes you angry? Hmm? And I think more importantly, what do you do with those feelings, with those emotions? Did you know that Jesus got angry? You see, sometimes we have this view, this Sunday school view of Jesus, where he's a little bit like flat Pepsi. Just kind of meh. He's so spiritual that he can't be touched, affected, or impacted by any of this earthly human realities, that he somehow exists above and beyond it all. That he was too generally passive to care enough to get angry. What we're gonna see today from Mark chapter three is an encounter where Jesus, we're told in the text, gets angry. And what we're going to see as we study these six verses from Mark chapter 3 is that Jesus gets angry with hard 
hearts. We're going to see what it means here in the context of the passage that we're studying and then what that means for us today. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open them and to stand if you're able as I read for you Mark chapter 3 verses 1 through 6. Church, this is the word of God. Again, it says, he entered the synagogue And a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus. They, that is the Pharisees, that he just had this encounter with, these religious leaders. They watched Jesus to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good? or to do harm, to save life, or to kill. But they were silent. And he looked around them, he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to him. You can be seated. We're told here in this text that when Jesus saw the hardness of the Pharisees' heart, he was angry. Now, I know that as soon as I talk about anger, that some of you get a little bit uncomfortable. Because some of you have never seen or witnessed or experienced anger being handled in a God-honoring way. Maybe for you, all you've experienced was angry people. Jesus... He was able to get angry when the situation called for it, but he was not an angry man. There's a big difference. Maybe for you it was a spouse. Maybe it's a parent, a dad or a mom, some other authority figure, a person that you would describe as being a person of anger, an angry person. And so your experience with anger has been somebody is loud, somebody is vocal, somebody is large and domineering and aggressive. And so hearing about Jesus being angry maybe makes you a little bit uncomfortable. But you need to note this distinction here, that although Jesus was able to become angry, he was not an angry person. That when you read the Gospels, you see his compassion, his mercy, his love, and his gentleness. There's nothing wrong with righteous anger. We are told to be angry, but not sin. We are called to be slow to anger in the Bible. It's normal to feel anger when we see evil and injustice 
lives being destroyed through wickedness. It's okay to be angry. And here we have an example of Jesus being angry. And it all comes down to their hardness of heart. These Pharisees, these religious leaders, are gathered together to accuse him, and he is angry and grieved, saddened by their hard-heartedness. So let's ask a secondary question, a significant question. Why? I mean, there's lots that Jesus could have been angry with at the Pharisees. Why does their hardness of heart anger him? Why is Jesus angry with hard-heartedness? You see, very simply, we are told in Scripture to guard our hearts and keep your heart with all vigilance, the sage says in Proverbs chapter 4, for from it flow the springs of life. And you may not be a Pharisee, but this risk of hard-heartedness is still one for you today. That over time, through the decisions that you make and the habits that you form, whether through neglect or sin or pride or unmet expectations or disappointments, you can grow a hard heart. A hard heart that angers Jesus. So why? Why does a hard heart specifically anger Jesus? Well, I wanna give you four reasons from this text here that a hard heart angers Jesus. Here's the first one. It stops you from praising God for what he's actually doing. It prevents you from noticing, being aware, being thankful, and then worshiping from praising God for what he's doing in your midst. I mean, think about the Pharisees. The Son of God was there in their midst. The Messiah had come. The kingdom of God was breaking into human history. Miracles were happening. Exorcisms were happening. The power of God was on display, yet they couldn't see it. It's the exact same as Pharaoh in the Old Testament. Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, enslaved the Israelites. God raises up Moses to deliver his people and he sends Moses and God sends these plagues, 10 of them, over Egypt. And what do we read? I mean, Pharaoh just keeps hardening himself, resisting, failing to see what God is doing, failing to bow his knee to God as Lord and King. He missed it. What about you? If you have a hard heart, you're not gonna see what God is doing. You're not gonna praise him. You're gonna be unaware, unable to see. Whether it's because of your suffering, your hardship, your struggles, your disappointments. I mean, think about 
Think about all the ways that this can be borne out in our lives. Where you don't even see what God is doing in your midst. Maybe you have a hard heart and you criticize and you critique and you pick at your kids. And yeah, they got a long way to go. But man, they have been growing. God has been working. They have been improving and making wiser choices. But you still just focus on the negatives and you're completely oblivious to recognizing how God is working and moving. I've seen this in the church world time and time again. Where it doesn't matter what God is doing, how God is moving, how God ought to be praised for what he's, what he's working in a church, there are some people who view it as their spiritual gift to criticize and complain. And just pick at all the issues, to focus on the negatives instead of saying, man, we're so thankful, God, that you are working. We have eyes now to see, but hardness of heart makes it so that it's never enough. You see this borne out in marriages where instead of seeing growth in your spouse, Instead of seeing that they're trying, you just nag and pick and criticize. All of this just leads to an utter lack of gratitude and thankfulness. You see, a hard heart, just like the hard heart that the Pharisees had here, they, it makes you oblivious unaware, unable to see what God is doing and miss out on that ability and that opportunity to worship him and to praise him. A hard heart stops you from praising God for what he's doing. That's the first. Here's the second. A hard heart stops you from receiving blessings from God. A hard heart closes up your hands so that you're unable to receive from God the gift that he wants to give you. You know, you notice in the Gospels that Jesus has a lot of negative encounters with the Pharisees. But Jesus' problem with the Pharisees was not simply the group that they were in, it was their proud hearts. It was their self-righteousness. You can read about other encounters that Jesus has with individual Pharisees, specifically in the Gospel of John, where Pharisees, teachers of the law, this exact group here, would come to Jesus, but they would come in humility. They would come with open hands. They would come asking questions, questions that were designed to lead to answers, not questions to trip him up or to accuse him. And how does Jesus respond to them? He doesn't say, Pharisees, your lot aren't welcomed around here. I don't want anything to do with you people. No, Jesus is perfectly willing to bless even these individual Pharisees if they will come to him with a soft heart. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to heal the sick, to forgive those who recognize that they are sinners. He was fully prepared and able to bless these Pharisees if they would just soften their heart. 
but a hard heart closes you off. A hard heart makes it impossible to receive God's blessings. What blessings are you missing out on because of your hardness of heart? A hard heart will never be a heart that's filled with joy. Peace that only Christ can bring. Life and life abundant. It'll never be a heart that is confident that God is fully with you and there working even in the hard situations. You'll never have a, an ability to fully believe that God is going to use this difficult situation in my life for his glory. God's going to work through it. God's going to prepare me. God's going to do something new. God's going to do something <clears throat> fresh and deep in my heart. God's going to prepare me to use this to bless others and to minister to others in the future. All of these blessings we're going to miss if you have a hard heart. It clouds your vision and it limits your ability to receive the blessings that God is fully prepared to grant and to give. A hard heart stops you from receiving the blessings that God has available. These Pharisees missed it. I mean, this is the one they could have, this is the one that they had been waiting for. Here he was right before them. And they could have entered through that door that brings life. They could have trusted in Christ. But their hard hearts close them off. A hard heart stops you from receiving blessings from God. That's number two. Here's number three. A hard heart stops you from seeing others as God sees them. A hard heart limits your ability to see the inherent value and worth of those around you. Think about this encounter here. Think about this scene. I mean, populations were very small back then. So there's a good chance that these exact Pharisees, they knew this man who had the withered hand. They would have known him and possibly even his family. And what would you expect if they had soft hearts? Well, you would expect that they would be there saying, thank God, look, at, look what we have here. Jesus is here in this synagogue on this day and we know that he can work miracles. We know he has the authority to heal. We know he has compassion and mercy to heal. And here's our brother, our dear friend who has been struggling for so long with his paralyzed or withered up, dried up hand. Maybe today's the day that our brother finds freedom. Maybe today's the day that he's gonna be healed. Oh God, wouldn't that be incredible if you would work in our midst like this? but they have no regard 
for this hurting and suffering individual. They do not see him as Jesus sees him. They see a man with a withered hand. Jesus calls him over. And all that they are concerned with is watching him so that they might accuse him. Jesus, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus, teacher, sum up the Old Testament. There's a lot there. What's it all boil down to? What's the law? Tell us. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love other people. There is nothing of that here. There is no concern for this poor man and seeing him be set free. So let me ask you this. How's your heart for those around you? How's your heart for those in need? What goes through your heart when you pull up to a traffic light and there's somebody with a sign on the medium? What's going on in your heart in that moment? How do you view that person? I'm not even asking what do you do and how do you serve, how do you help, right? Because that can get, I understand, that can get complicated. But what's going on in your heart in that moment? How do you view that person as an, as an image bearer of God, of somebody who has inherent value and dignity as a precious soul that will live eternally in either heaven or hell? Do you view that person as somebody's son or daughter? Or is your heart hard? Do you view them as an inconvenience or do you view them as God views them? What about your kids? How do you view them? Do you view them, talk about them, discuss them as inconveniences, as a burden rather than a blessing? as a lot of work, as really messy, as really loud? Or do you view them as precious gifts that have been entrusted to you? Entrusted to your family to be raised, to know, to fear, and to love the Lord as a gift from your Father in heaven. What about that annoying friend? And we've all got him. Not me though, so don't sit there wondering if, if you're that to me, but sometimes you meet people and they're a little awkward socially. Sometimes you meet people and they, they demand a lot from you. And yes, boundaries are important, right? I understand that and we talk a lot about that how do you view that person? As a bother, as an inconvenience, as a burden, as an annoyance? Or as a precious soul that God wants to to minister to through you? See, if you harden your heart consistently, 
You're not gonna be able to see people the way that God sees them. You're not gonna be able to treat people the way that God wants. You're just gonna view them as, as objects to be used or annoyances to be avoided. Man, you harden your heart by using and discarding people over and over and over and that is just destruction in all its forms. When you see people who are hurting, who have need, what, what's going on in your heart? A hard heart views it as an inconvenience. But a soft heart, a soft heart lets you see people, at least in part, the way that God sees them. It stops you from seeing others as God sees them. Here's number four of why a hard heart makes Jesus angry. A hard heart stops you, perhaps most importantly, from entering life. And this is, it's almost insanity what we read here in the pages of Mark chapter three. And think about this. They see a miracle. They see it right there with their own eyes. And these were the religious leaders. They were the ones who claimed to be, you know, kind of preparing the way for the Messiah, of helping get Israel, these commoners, these sinners ready. They were the religious teachers. They supposedly knew Scripture And here, in their midst, is the one that they claim to be waiting for. They see this miracle. They see God moving and working right there before him, knitting together at a cellular level this man's arm and giving it life again, healing him. And their only response is to plot to kill the man who performed the miracle. This is the insanity, the destructive power of a hard heart. And you say, oh, come on, no matter how hard, how hard my heart was, I, I, I'd believe. If I saw a miracle right in front of me, no, you wouldn't. A hard heart shuts off your ability to see what God is doing. It stops off your ability It cuts it off to to view others as God views them and it ultimately leads to death and destruction. There is in their hearts no praise for God. There is no thanksgiving. There is no worship. The only thing in their hearts is death. This is the danger of a hard heart. That whether because of the suffering, the disappointments, the unmet expectations, or because of your conscious decisions towards sin and evil, pray to God that it's not too late to turn back. Hardened hearts leads to destruction. In all manner, in all life, in all realms, in all spheres. I mean, think about it. You harden your heart in your marriage, 
It's toast apart from God's grace. You will never have a marriage that overflows with joy and trust of intimacy, of kindness, and of gentleness when you have hard-heartedness there in the marriage. You will never have a, a loving, fun, enjoyable, and respectful relationship with your children if there's hard-heartedness abounding. All these choices that we make day by day, these habits are either softening our heart or they are hardening our heart. And you need to be cautious that you do not continue down the pathway of hardening your heart because it only leads to destruction. And in the end, a hard heart leads to hell. If all you do is focus and obsess and give yourself to the negative, to the evil, and to the wicked, in the end, that's all you're going to have left. This is true of the Pharisees, and this is true for you and I today. Maybe your heart is hard. Maybe you have hardened your heart through your critical, negative attitude. Maybe you have hardened your heart in the way that you have failed to honor God with your sexuality. Maybe you have hardened your heart through constant complaining and bitterness. Maybe you have hardened your heart through giving full vent to your anger and childish rage. But this is a risk. This is a danger and this is a warning. You don't want to make Jesus angry. Because your soul is in his hands. And one day you will stand before him as judge. So if you're here and you would say, yeah, I, mean, I, I get it, I'm... I've made some choices in different realms of my life to harden myself. What do I do? Huh. Is there hope for me? Can my heart ever be softened again? Charles Spurgeon, the famous Baptist pastor, from, from uh, the UK, when he was preaching on this passage, gave the illustration of, of our hands and physical touch. When somebody loses their sight or if they are born blind, we have this method of reading called Braille. These tiny little bumps that can spell out words. If you've ever gone to a restroom and you've seen the Braille or you run your, pass your finger over it. It's almost imperceptible the first time you try it. Why? Because your hands are simply not sensitive enough. But over time, with practice and attentiveness, our hands, human hands, can grow so sensitive that you can read the entire collected works of Shakespeare 
in Braille. Our hands can grow more sensitive, but our hands can also grow more calloused. If you've ever worked in the trades, perhaps, you know that it doesn't take long before your hands develop calluses and scrapes and nicks and cuts and blisters. And over time, our hands, to protect themselves, they they harden up and they become thoroughly calloused. Our hands can grow more sensitive over time, but our hands can also grow more calloused over time. And the same is true with our hearts. That every day, we make decisions, choices, with our thoughts, with our words, with our bodies, that are either leading our hearts to becoming more sensitive day by day, or more hardened day by day. So what is the remedy? What is the fix for a hard heart? Well, the fix and the remedy for a hard heart is a believing heart. The remedy for a hard heart is a believing heart. And that believing heart is not merely intellectual assent or belief. It's much deeper than that. It's a believing heart in Jesus Christ as Lord and a trust in his heart for you. In Romans chapter 10, Verses 9 and 10, Paul talks about the heart. And he says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, if you have that believing heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. If you want your heart to grow increasingly softer, have a believing heart, a trusting heart, and study the heart of God for you. Look at the heart of Christ for sinners like you and like me. That he would love you enough to go to the cross in your place of saying to your soul personally, you could never do it. I'm gonna do it for you. And I'm gonna take upon myself willingly all that you deserve. I'm gonna take your sin upon myself. I'm gonna pay the price that your sin deserves, pay the penalty that your sin deserves. I'm gonna take it all upon myself and I'm gonna pay for it in full. And then three days later, I'm gonna be resurrected from the dead for your life. So if you would just trust in me, trust in my, my work for you, trust in my heart for you, 
I will give you a new heart. While there is breath in your lungs, while your heart still beats, it is never too late to soften your heart and experience the delight and the joy of Christ. Don't harden your heart. It steals your ability to see what God is doing. It stops your ability to receive blessings from God. It kills your ability to see people the way that God sees them. And if that's not enough to motivate you, understand that a hard heart left unchecked, will lead you to hell. And the only hope that you and that I have is a believing heart. Trusting, calling out, confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and receiving the new heart that only he can give. May we as a church protect our hearts, guard our hearts from hardness. Let me pray. Father, I confess and I recognize that no one here truthfully wants you to be angry with them. It's a terrifying prospect to suffer under your righteous anger. So I pray, Lord, that you would soften your people today, Lord. Every person, whether they are a believer who has, who has been making choices to harden themselves against your spirit, soften their hearts for repentance, I pray. Father, for those who are here who may be so far down the path of death and destruction that maybe they don't even see it yet, that their hearts are hard and that they're on the path to hell, would you give them eyes to see? Soften their hearts just enough to cause them to call out to you for a new heart. Give them a believing heart. Jesus, we don't want to be hard-hearted. So soften us. Soften our hearts towards you, I pray. Give us the heart of Christ. For we ask this in his great name. Amen. And that does it for this episode of the Berean Podcast. All of our ministries at Berean are geared towards the mission of seeing lives transformed by the power of the gospel. If you would like to be connected with our church family or give to the mission of Berean, just jump online to our website at bereanmn.com. Thanks for listening today, and we pray that you are encouraged by today's episode. Be sure to like us on social media, and we'll see you here next time on the Berean Podcast.